Praise God. How many have your Bibles with you today? Okay, we're going to get into this tonight, and we're going to believe God for good things. I, if you don't have notes, anybody not have your notes? Anybody not have notes? Okay. We're going to start out this week, and we're going to talk about this subject. And the title of tonight is The Invisible War. The Invisible War. Have we enlisted? Now, I want you to look at me real quick. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you enlisted. That's right. You have to make a decision that you're going to fight. I don't want to fight. You're fighting anyway. But the only way you win is you've got to make a decision you're going to fight. That's right. Does that, does that make sense? Are you okay so far? Don't get quiet on me. We're just starting. Okay? Okay. One of my favorite readers, I hate to put him on the spot all the time, but Jack, Ezekiel 28. I need a microphone guy. Who's doing the microphones? Okay. Ezekiel 28, Bob Hurst, Isaiah 14. Okay? Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19, and Isaiah 14, 12 through 17. I want to read one of my favorite authors. Uh, this man has long gone home to glory, but you know him probably the best. Anybody ever see the movies, The Chronicles of Narnia? Before there was ever a movie, did you ever read the books? The, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and all of Test. those. Test. Great, great depiction of the kingdom of God through fantasy. And then you have his roommate, Tolkien. Anybody know who, what, what's his first initials? J.R. Tolkien. Anybody know who J.R. Tolkien is? Anybody watch the Lord of the Rings? See, J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were roommates. Matter of fact, most people believe it was Tolkien that led Lewis to the Lord. Okay, and some people say it's the other way around. I wasn't there, folks. Don't know, Okay. But Tolkien, he kind of went to the dark picture of the kingdom, leaning more to the devil's adversarial aspect, where C.S. Lewis, I think, led more to the kingdom victory aspect, with a lot of mysticism, a lot of different things. You say, well, that's not God. It's not. You're right, but it makes a heck of a good book. Okay? You say, well, pastor, that, you can't read that kind of stuff. You know, some of the most mystical and incredible things that I've ever read is in this Bible. You want to read a horror story? Start reading the book of Revelation and start reading it from the perspective of, the, of Armageddon. And, you know, they, they can't even put into print that kind of stuff. It'd probably be triple Z rated or something. I don't know. But anyway, C.S. Lewis made an interesting statement. Listen to what he said. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall into it about the devil. Okay? I left this in your thing, so look at it. I want you to really grab a hold of this. I left it in your notes. Because C.S. Lewis, as he does in so many things, hit it right on the head. There's two complete opposite errors, and they're both extremities that we can get into when it comes to the subject of the devil. One 
is to disbelieve is to disbelieve in their existence. Okay? Now he's talking about the devil and all of his cohorts. Okay, when he's talking about devils, because we know there is one devil, multiple demons and multiple cohorts and so on and so forth, but one Lucifer. Uh, uh, and he's got many, many names. Okay, but it goes on here. Listen to what it says. The other is to believe. One is to disbelieve the complete existence, whether he exists at all. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So I want you to look at me real quick. As a Christian, we neither disbelieve in the enemy, nor do we give too much credence to his glory. We believe he exists. We stand. Why? Because the Bible teaches he exists. But I refuse to give him credit for virtually anything, though he is working behind the scenes in literally everything. How many with me so far? They themselves, the enemy, Satan, demons, cohorts, minions. Oh, I can't use that word. That's right. We have a nice kitty movie called Minions, don't we? You think there's any strategy? Folks, I could take you through movie after movie after movie where Satan's strategy is to numb you and I. Do you know what another word for demon is? Minion. But they're cute little yellow things. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand uh, who saw the movie, because huh? I don't care. Okay, if you want to saw the movie. I am a big kid. My favorite place in the world to go has the, a mouse for a mascot. Disneyland. Okay. I, you know, and I, I just, the older I get, the younger I am. It's just the way it is. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I don't know, Tim. We must have the same mascot. But, so the thing, the thing, folks, is I could go movie after movie after movie where Satan romanticizes evil, romanticizes demons and demonology and, and all these different things. Why? He's trying to seduce, which is one of Satan's names, the seducer. Okay? So let's go on here. They themselves are equally pleased by both error and hail a materialistic or magical view with the same delight. If you want to get overly obsessed with them, the devil's happy. If you want to pretend it doesn't exist, the devil's happy. Why? Because he can get you either way with his only power that he has. And that power is called deception. Okay? Any questions so far? I want to read a true story. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm basically, I'm going to... Uh, talk to you about it from, from memory more than anything. It's a true story about missions. I love missions. I've had the privilege of, of traveling all over the world doing missions work. And, and one of the things that, that we did at, at Victorious Life in California and we do here is periodically we do Mission Sunday. We try to do it quarterly. 
We don't do it as much with our international stuff, though we had just a few weeks ago uh, our dear pastor from Kenya, Pastor Philemon's church, uh, uh, Johnson Otieno was with us. But he didn't come and share the stories like most churches are used to about missionary travels. Okay? So a true story that, that, that happened was it was a missionary Sunday and there were some missionaries on furlough. And I wanted to take this and use it to the picture of you and I that have not enlisted into this war, this invisible war. Okay? They had come back and they were sharing about all the things that they were dealing with as missionaries, the husband and wife, and they were talking about their, their uh, living quarters in this steamy jungle situation. Well, as they were there and they stayed there, they came to the church and this one little boy was mesmerized. This one little boy grew up to be a, a preacher. He was mesmerized by the story that they shared because they had at one time a gigantic python came into their living quarters. An enormous snake, much, much longer than a man, slithered right in their front door, into their kitchen, in their home. Terrified, they ran outside and frantically searched for somebody that would know what to deal with or how to deal with it. Well, very calmly, a machete-wielding neighbor came to the rescue. He walked into the room and with one slick blow, lopped the head off the snake. The missionaries were elated. The enemy was defeated. <coughs> Just then, the, the uh, local walked out and said, but you have to understand there's, there's one caveat. The snake doesn't know it's dead. The snake doesn't know it's defeated. You're probably, unless you're brave and bold, you're going to have to stay out of the house for a while. Because as they looked in through the door, the snake was writhing treacherously around the building, literally tearing everything. It was a huge snake. It was breaking things. It was knocking things. It didn't have a head. It was completely annihilated, defeated. It just didn't know it. How many ever decapitated a snake before? Do you know there's people that have died from rattlesnake bites from snakes they've killed? The head will still bite. The body will still strike. See, the snake's neurology and blood flow are such that it takes considerable time for it to stop moving even though it's been decapitated. So for the next several hours, the missionaries were forced to wait outside while the, the snake thrashed about, smashing furniture, flailing against the walls, literally throwing blood everywhere, wreaking havoc until something happened. Its body realized it was dead. Pastor, that's kind of gross. I have a point. Sweating in the heat, they felt frustrated, but also grateful that the snake's rampage wouldn't last forever. And at some point, they're waiting. They both came to this mutual 
epiphany. Satan is a lot like that big old snake. Listen to me. He's already defeated. He just doesn't know it. See, I tell people all the time humorously, when the devil reminds you of your past, just tell him shut up and start reminding him of his future. Okay? The devil, oh, in theory, he knows that his days are numbered. But the gravity of it, the weight of it, I don't know. But in the meantime, the devil is going to do damage. And he's going to do as much damage as he possibly can. But he can only do it to those who don't know he's defeated. We are living in a season that is characterized by pervasive, a pervasive capacity to do violence. And that is being paramount in the lives of individual people. We watch the news. We see the different stuff. Well, folks, I'm not interested in the news right now tonight. I'm interested in your home. I'm interested in your marriage. I'm interested in your children. I'm interested in what the enemy is doing every single day. And if you and I do not choose to enlist in this warfare, he'll, he'll just wreck the home. He's defeated. He has no power. For authority. He has power, and that power is called deception. His authority was completely taken away. He has power, and it's called deception. And we have to remember, even though it won't last forever, if we don't choose to fight back, we ultimately will have damage done. Some of it, error. Replaceable. Any questions so far? The biggest problem that I believe we have as Christians is we still have a fantasy about who Satan is. I don't mean a good fantasy. Well, does he really exist? Is this just the world we live in? Is this just stuff? Is there really an invisible war going on? And can I tell you, I've been pastoring a long, long, long time. And I would venture to say that probably, and I haven't looked at the stats lately of, you know, of Kinnaman or, or Barna or anybody else. I would venture to say that two-thirds of the church doesn't believe that there really is a devil. Oh, there thinks there might be a dark side of the force. But there is a real devil. And though the Bible says that Jesus has crushed his head, he's still writhing. He is still writhing. So today what I want to do is I want to start this series. And the subtitle of the series, To Expose and Overcome, We Have to Know Our Enemy. 
Who is this creature, this real person, and do we really know him? Ezekiel 28, Jack, I want you to read that, and then I'm going to go right into Isaiah 14, because they're both, you know, essentially talking about the same stuff, talking about the same person, but there's a picture that is given here that I want us to grab out of Ezekiel, and then I want to go into the reason for the fall in Isaiah, okay? So Ezekiel 28, Jack, if you would read that, NIV, right? Correct. Okay, and Bob, what are you going to read? NLT is fine or NIV, either one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel 28, start with verse 11, and then read down to 19. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is while Jack's reading, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you out of the natural world and into the spiritual world because we're talking about a physical king, and then we're talking about a supernatural king, all in the same story, and it just transitions from one to the other. It Transitions from the physical war, the natural war, the real war, to the supernatural, invisible war. Go ahead, Jack. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of the king of Tyre, and say to him, "This is what the sovereign Lord says." Okay, stop there for a second. There is a real city or a country called Tyre. We know the Bible is very clear on it, that the the destruction of two cities that were sister cities, neighboring cities, was Tyre and Sidon, okay? Many of you historians will remember the country or the city of Tyre or the, I don't know, was it a city or a country? Whatever it was. I think it was a city, okay? It was basically an island. It was impregnable. You could not get to it. That was one of the things that made Tyre such a, uh, uh, a, an area that could, that could be as, as, uh, as um, impenetrable. impenetrable, thank you, invincible, what word I was thinking about, impenetrable, as it is. But you'll remember, anybody know the guy named Alexander the Great? Okay. They destroyed the city on the mainland and used the blocks and the rocks and the the destruction of the mainland to build a bridge through the water to destroy Tyre. How many remember the story as you read it historically? Okay. So this is, we're talking about a real king. We're talking about a real king of the country of Tyre or the city of Tyre. Okay. This is what the sovereign lords, go ahead, uh, says. Go ahead, Jack. You were a seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, a garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, crystallite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lupus, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Okay, stop there. What did we just do? We went from a natural king to a supernatural king. That's a good question. The question is why? Why is God doing this? We've got to read the rest to see it, but I want you to see the change. Okay? He's talking about a real place, a real king, the king of Tyre, and then he goes into a supernatural depiction. Why does God do this? 
First off, do you see it? Do you see the picture? You say, well, can you help me to understand? You were in Eden, the garden of God. This scripture is a couple thousand years after the garden of Eden. You think he's talking about a 2,000-year-old king? Natural king? Physical king? Okay. So who do you think he's talking about now? Satan. Satan. Okay. Most of the translations will call him the prince of Tyre, the king of Tyre, the ruler of Tyre, different translations. But when you go into the original Hebrew, he's actually called the prince because the prince is a king and all the different things. Okay? But he transfers from the physical, and now we're into this picture where he starts describing exactly who he is. From the day that you were created, continue on, Jack. 14. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I adorned you. Okay, stop there. For Now what have we done? We start to depict who he is talking about. How many know what a cherub is? Okay, a cherub is an angel. No, he is not the guy with the little arrows. Okay? The cherub are actually the most powerful angels in all of creation. Okay? The cherub were the, were the guardian angels. The cherub, the seraphim, and the archangels were the three of the most powerful angels yeah, I don't want to say that they were equal. Once again, you can study, and I've read all kinds of stuff about, about the hierarchy of the angels. And in this course, I'm going to get into the hierarchical structure of angels and demons. That way you can understand. You know, uh, the prince, there's a prince on this mountain, okay? And I'm actually going to talk about that in the weeks to come. Because I believe that one of the reasons Flagstaff continues to go forward, back step, go forward, step back, go forward. Yes, we see all of the elections. We see all the garbage. We see all the stuff. But there is a demonic strategy that Satan has for high places, physical high places, mountainous areas. Okay, one of the reasons that I think God brought my wife and I to Flagstaff is because when I was in California, I lived right next to the mountains. And the same things that were prevalent in those mountains are the same things that are prevalent in these mountains. They're called the Santa Cruz Mountains. You ever heard of Santa Cruz, California? If you've been there, there's a boardwalk. It's a fun boardwalk, you know, and, and there. But between where I lived and Santa Cruz were the Santa Cruz Mountains. Guess who lives in the Santa Cruz Mountains? Witches. Guess who lives in the mountains of Flagstaff? We have the biggest witch covens in the state of Arizona here in the Flagstaff Mountains. Don't worry. I'm not trying to freak you out. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Guess what was huge in the area I lived in? Homosexuality in the Bay Area. 27% of the Flagstaff population is homosexual. The telephone's saying, wow, or whatever it said. I don't know what it said. Okay. Uh, uh, demonology. 
okay, the occult, vortexes. We even had Bigfoot. Have you? Okay, what I'm saying, I think God brought me from there to here because I've already been dealing with this demon, okay? And so we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all that stuff over the time. But what the picture I want to give you here is immediately we understand that there is a real place called Tyre, and there is a real prince of Tyre, a real king of Tyre, but now God is saying, look who's behind it. Not just any angel, but the anointed cherub that covered. You see the picture that is being described here. Every precious stone was created in you. And Jack read out a, lit, a, 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 a litany of stones, gold, all the greatest of the, of the treasures were created in you. If Satan was to appear, I don't know what he would look like because he's going to go on and he's going to talk about other things that were created in him. But we're talking about a supernatural being. Is everybody clear on this? Okay? So let's go on and let's verify more that this is who we're talking about. Go ahead, Jack. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Okay. Say that, that line with me. From the day you were created. Say that with me. From the day you were created. How did Lucifer get here? God created him. God created him. Okay? Now, I want to say something. The anointed chair of the cupboard, they just brought back to my mind. He was also the most powerful angel of all creation. That's what that term, the anointed chair of the cupboard. Okay? Who did he cover? God himself. He was in the fiery stones. He was in the very throne room of God. He was, his number one job was the guardian of the throne. I don't have time to go into all the studies, but you can go out and do some Googling. You know, it's just, it's amazing. We're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about the most powerful of all creation outside, well, not outside of anything, the most powerful, the anointed guardian cherub or the anointed cherub that covered. But he was still created. But through your widespread, go ahead, Jack. Through your widespread trade. Hold on, Jack. I got a question over here. Bob. Okay, so question is this. He was created till wickedness was found in him. So was it pride that turned into wickedness? Was wickedness there from the beginning? And he just brought it out because he wanted to be God? I mean, we're going to talk about that in this passage you're reading. Okay? Okay, but I want you... I'm sorry? Okay. When you were at the leadership class, uh, Pastor Mitch did some, uh, some great... We had a leadership workshop, and he brought out a very great analogy that I brought out years and years ago, but he brought it out very succinctly and very understandably that all Christians can become wolves if they're not careful. 
just to tap on it before we get to it, all of us have within us the ability to reject God, the ability to do our own thing, the ability to accomplish what we want, the ability to tell God to take a hike. What is that ability called? Free will. We all have it. Tim don't have to live for God if he doesn't want to. That's why, that's why I get in these discussions with people that say, well, Christians can't lose their salvation. Well, I agree. They can't lose it, but they can reject it. They can walk away from it. They can make a decision. I don't want to do this anymore. Now, I'm a believer that most of them come to their senses, just like the prodigal son. But I believe also the Bible's full of examples of those that didn't. He said, well, God understands. God is a God of justice. God isn't going to make an exception for Courtney. Oh, she's just so cute. Oh, little Courtney. <laughs> and then drop the hammer on Will. God's not going to do that. Or vice versa. Yeah, you're cute too, Will. You're cute too. Okay, okay. Okay, well, God's not going to do that. See, in God's mind, right is right because it's right. Not because you feel like it, not because you like it, not because you want it, but because he said it is right. And someplace in my Bible, it might be in yours too unless you tore the page out. It says, the soul that sins will die. Now, it doesn't mean you made a mistake. I've, those are questions I always have to put in the disclaimers. We're talking about the soul that chooses to live in sin. Not the one that makes a mistake. The one that chose to do this way. One perfect example. In the Bible, there is a man by the name of Demas. I put together a, a sermon, and I, I preached it years and years ago. I've never preached in this church, but I'll probably preach it one of these days. And I put it together. It's called The Chronicle of a Backslider. How somebody can be on fire for God and then completely reject it. The Bible's full of those stories. And it's because we have this thing called free will. Okay? Before I get Jack to continue on, how was Satan able to fall? He has the same free will. As do all of the angels. Let's talk about this for a second. This, that great, great words, great comments, great, great questions. How is that possible? I've had people argue with me. Oh, angels don't have free will. Well, how did they fall? Pastor, you got a microphone? Let's get a, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want it all recorded. We got great minds in here. A whole lot of smarter than me. I'm just going to gum up the works. Oh, you're going to gum up the works. Great. Take the mic from him, please. Is will it on? we have free will the other side of the rapture? I'm sorry? Will we have free will the other side of the rapture? Will we still have free will the other side of the rapture? There's the, there's the bottom line. Why do angels have free will? Why do humans have free will? You cannot have love without freedom. Okay? Dee and Dale. I, I just met Dee, Dale's lovely wife. I'm going to put you on the spot. You know why Dee loves Dale? Because she has to. He forces her. He says, woman, it's going to be this way or else. I know that's right. 
No. It's because she chose to love him in spite of him. You should have said, a, you should have said amen right there. Yeah. She made a choice. Yeah. You go into marriage with both eyes open, then you close one for the rest of your life. That's what you do. Folks, you make a choice. It's called free will. Okay? Very good. You know, where was this? That choice is in every one of us every day. I had to wake up this morning and choose whether I want to do what I'm doing or not. You know, I could have called Pastor Ray, Pastor Philemon, Pastor Jewel, and said, I'm done. I'm out of here. Ixnay on the stupase. You got to watch Lion King to understand. Okay? Folks, I don't have to do what I'm doing. God doesn't force me to do what I'm doing. He said, I love you enough. How much do you love me? Okay, Jack, if you'll pick it up. Anybody else? Any other questions there? Uh, uh, Miss Eula? So, why didn't God just kill him? I'm sorry? Why didn't God just kill Satan? Okay. First, let me go back to Pastor Ray. Will we have free will during the tribulation period? Yes, we will. After the rapture? Yes, we will. If you rejected God on this side of the rapture, yes, you will. You just don't want to do that because you don't want to try to go into the seven-year tribulation period. You say, well, Pastor, I, well, I'll do that. I'll live for God then. No, you will lose your head. You will die. And if you can't live for God when you have the ability to, do you think you're going to live for God when you are forced to? If they come up to you and say, reject Christ or lose your head, if you can't live for him on this side of the rapture, do you really think you'll do it on that side? When on this side, you just got offended? On this side, you didn't have your safe space and your Play-Doh? I'm sorry, I'm meddling a little bit. Okay, folks, if you can't make it on this side, do you think you'll make it on that side? There is one way out of the tribulation, tribulation period as a Christian, and that is martyrdom. Well, well, I'll just hide. The most powerful angel in creation. No, he's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. But do you think he's not going to know where you are? He's got minions. He's got demons. And folks, there's not a few of them. The Bible says a third of the angels of heaven fell with him. You say, well, pastor, you know, a third of the angels can't be that many. The Bible says the number is innumerable. It's a myriad. You can't even number them. So how many do you think that is? Yeah, I would think a lot. So the question is, yes, you'll still have free will on that side. But if you're not living for him on this side, it doesn't matter. You're not going to live for him on that side. Okay? Why didn't God kill him? Why didn't God, when Satan fall, fell? We have to go back before he was created to answer that one. 
purpose. God is that you? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay, so let's talk about that. Why didn't God kill him? How many, when you get to heaven, you want to ask Noah, why didn't you kill the roach when you had the chance? The mosquitoes? Is that you? It's your turn, Danny. Okay, your phone call is no more important than mine, so you just shut it off and get back in here. Okay, I'm just kidding. If you have to answer it, you answer it. But go outside to do it. Uh, why didn't God get rid of him? I've always had this question in my mind. God knows everything. And God knew everything before he created any of us. Okay, so remember I said we had to go back. Do you think God knew Satan was going to fall before he was created? Yes. Okay, so why didn't he kill him? So... Why did he create him? Why did he create Forget him? the killing part. Why did he even create him? No, to test us. The Bible tells us in the book of James, God doesn't test anyone with evil. You know, if God created him to test us, then that would be contrary to God's word. Yes, we go through tests. Did you answer everything? Well... Not exactly, but I don't know how much you want to get into this. Uh, very short, very but go short. ahead. I, I've just always wondered why. I know God made us for fellowship, but since he saw all of the evil ahead of time, why would he make any of us, including? Okay, that's good. Okay, okay. now before we go sideways on this, church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep everything in order. But thank you for asking. Why would God create any of us? Because he knew we were going to curse him. We were going to mock him. We were going to ridicule him. We were going to put him down. We were going to slap him. We were going to crucify him. Because that's who crucified him, church. Sin took him to the cross. And I don't know about you, but I'm the chief of sinners. It was my sin. Oh, you. Okay, let's argue who's the chief of sinners. Okay, Jack. No, well, I'm, I'm worse than you. Okay, but think about it, okay? Why would God do this, honey? You had a statement you were going to make? I need a microphone. Oh, gosh, it was a okay. while ago. Um, I was just saying, just like it, you can't have just one thing. You can't have darkness without light. You can't have good without evil. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a choice. There is the key. God had to give us choice. I was, I was driving with a young man that I led to the Lord. This guy was a mountain of a man. I mean, he was, he was a sheriff. And, he, and he, a, I wasn't even pastoring at the time. I was just a young, a young guy just leading people to Christ. I mean, it seemed like everywhere I turned, there was somebody needed to get saved. So I was working all kinds of hours. Well, I led this guy to, the, to, the, to Christ, and, and, and the guy was like six seven. You know, and he, the guy, I don't think he had, he probably had a, what's the body mass thing of zero? I mean, he was just, he, the Hulk looked small to him. But Tony took me on a ride. He said, Pastor, come, come and cruise with me one night. Sure. Well, he didn't call me Pastor, I was a pastor. He said, Damn, come, come on. I said, sure. So he took me out and got a, he got a, 
an APB thing or whatever, and he was taking this patrol car, and we're doing 100 something, and he's got me in the car, and I'm, I'm bold. Father, I didn't do that, but I was praying the whole time. But we got through the whole thing, came back, and he said, I got a question. Why didn't God get rid of the devil? And God spoke to me. One of the first times in my, in my Christian life that God spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. And like, as you all have heard me say many times, I'm a simple guy. So God has to speak to me in simple terms. And he spoke to me and he said, how do you have a yes without a no? If D didn't have a choice and Dale was all there was, we won't even go there. If, if Tandy didn't have a choice, if Tina didn't have a choice, <laughs> okay, we can talk later. Okay. Yeah. Folks, you can't have, as my wife said, good without bad, right without wrong, yes without no. There has to be a Satan, but it was still Satan's choice. Just like it was Judas's choice, just like it was Demas's choice, just like it, everybody has that choice. Okay? Now I throw a wrench into it all. Can the angels repent? Can Satan repent? There's books out there that say he can and that he's going to. After all, you know, love wins. If you ever read the book, what do I do, Pastor? It It'd be good to start fire with this winter. His fate is sealed. Why is his fate sealed? But like Pastor Ray said, that you can still repent even after the rapture. Why is it different? Go ahead, D. Here's a microphone right behind you. Well, I believe that his word was written long before anything existed. Okay. It has to come to fruition. And I think that what the Bible says is what's going to happen. We have that opportunity. But like I said, the devil's fate is already sealed. Okay. And I, I think that we have that because of, of Christ, his undying love for us. He shed his blood for us. And we have the opportunity to pour forgiveness through God's okay. grace and mercy. That's good. But don't you think God loves the angels just as much as he loves us? That's, that's very good. Go ahead, Dale. Real quick. So I think because angelic beings are non-corporeal, Christ died for the human race, okay. not the angelic race. Okay. Sorry, they're without, they're, they're, they don't have a physical body. They are all spirit. Sorry. Okay. Did God create the devil to be the devil? Did he? <laughs> We're asking you. Okay, the answer, I, I know the answer. Okay, so once again, we have to go back to God's Word. See, God is not 
does not contradict his word. And God does not tempt us with evil. So for him to make the devil to be the devil means that God created something to make us evil or to, to cause that to happen. Okay? This is all good stuff. Uh, 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 Beth? I think that because God made us be able to come, and that's why, because we were made in the image of God, and that's where the Satan fell because he's actually jealous. Why would you make us when I'm your number one? Okay. It, that's what I think. Okay. That's all good. Okay. Look at Jesus. The Bible says God made him a little lower than the angels. So let me ask a question. He was created in God's image as in his body on this earth. He is God. But the Bible said a body was prepared for him. Okay? He was made a little lower than the angels. So does that make us a little lower than the angels? Actually, it does. Okay? Okay? So think about it for a second. Okay? Now I'm going to get off this subject because this can go real south. Okay? Just, just a second. Just a second, Christian. Okay? So... What did God create Satan knowing he was going to be Satan? He knew he was going to be Satan, okay? But he did not create Satan to be Satan. That was his choice. Lucifer, actually, the bright morning star was his official name. He did not become Satan. Does anybody know what the word Satan means? Adversary and accuser. That's what Satan means, okay? It actually means seducer also, okay? Lucifer is his created name. That was the dawn of the morning, okay, the bright and morning star. His Hebrew name was Haliel, H-A-L-E-L-E, yeah, something like that. Do you know what the name of the crescent on the Muslim flag is? Haliel. Who do you think Allah is? It's not the same God we serve. It is a God, not the one we serve, though. Amen. Okay? So, folks, we understand all of this. Lucifer had to make a choice. He made a choice. God knew he was going to make a choice. You and I have to make a choice. God knows the choice we're going to make, but he still leaves it up to us to make the choice. He doesn't make it for us. Okay? God did not write... In a book, who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. But all of those that he knew was going to be saved are in a book. Can you be taken out of the book? The Bible says yes. It says the name can be blotted out of the book of life. How would that happen? Because we don't know the enemy. There's not a single person in here would reject Christ and all that God has to offer except they were deceived. Hello. How many would agree with that statement? Okay. So real quick, Jack, pick up where you're going to take. Go ahead. Go can ahead, I, Pastor. Can honey. I throw a thought out at you? Yes. You might not like me. <laughs> no, Pastor Ray already said that. Okay. So I'm really going to muddy this up. Oh, okay. So as believers in Christ, we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. If we are in Christ, Christ is over the angels. 
So therefore, we are as believers. Okay. No, that's, that's perfect. Because that was going to be the part that I was going to right before Jack took it over again. Okay. Even though we are lower than the angels, who's going to judge the angels in the end? We are. Why? Because through Christ, we have been exalted over. Okay? So in the end, we're going to judge the angels. That's why God says you need to know the enemy. Why? You've got to be able to deal with all this crap that we deal with on this earth. Paul writes, he said, guys, why do you go to court? Why do you argue and fight amongst each other? Why do you do the stuff you do? Don't you know that you're going to judge the angels? Can't you deal this trivial stuff in life? And the reason is we don't know the enemy. Let me put it in, in capsulization form as Jack begins to read. I would never let anything Mike do, does, doesn't do, says, doesn't says, be, doesn't be. I'm losing my English really good. But anyway, I wouldn't let anything bother me if I knew it wasn't Mike, but it was the enemy behind Mike. When Jesus confronted Peter, what was Peter doing? Lord, you're not going to die. Lord, you're not going to do this. Lord, you're not. What did Jesus say? Satan, get behind me. Did he call Bob Satan? Now, Tina might have done that a couple times. But no, I'm just kidding. Did he? Okay. What happens if Bob does that? Am I going to get all ticked off at Bob? Am I going to get frustrated at Bob? Am I going to get mad at Bob? Am I going to call him every name in the book? Or am I going to realize Bob's dealing with something? And the enemy wants to use that to get to me. The best thing I can do for Bob is come lift him. But if I don't understand the enemy, how am I going to do that? Am I making sense? Jack. Verse 16. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out of you, and it consumed you. Okay, stop right there. Now we're going from then to now. Okay, this is a static prophetic, and futuristic declaration, okay? He's set up who he's dealing with, the Prince of Tyre, a natural kingdom, very arrogant, very lifted up, very proudful, all these different things. And then he says, guys, understand, it's not the king. Yep, he's given in to all that. He had a free will, and he's chosen to let somebody control him. And this is the picture of who's controlling him. But look what he says at the very end. He's going to open all of our eyes. What he wants us to see now is who it is, who is behind all of this. And then look what he says he's going to do at the end. Go ahead, Jack. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who are watching. 
all the nations who knew you were appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Another translation says, are you the one that caused the nations to tremble? What were we so bothered by? Look at me. Look at me. I want to start out tonight. I know it's, you know, we spent a lot of time with good questions, good stuff. Please do not come here just to listen to me lecture. Folks, there is no stop of this mouth because this heart is full. <laughs> Pastor Ray, you could have came to my defense right there. <laughs> this heart is full, folks. I got lots I can share with you. I've made a statement for a long time. I don't have the privilege to allow things to bother me. Does it mean that things don't bother me? Nope. I just choose not to let them bother me. I have to, you know, if, if Will does something, i got to get over it. Well, but it's his fault. Or was there somebody influencing Oh, you say, well, it's all about them being influenced. No. The devil's standing right behind me too, saying, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Folks, when we begin to understand who the enemy is, that he's a real being, and that we have real authority over him through the blood of Christ, through the name of Jesus, I can promise you, your life will change. I'm going to switch over here now to Isaiah. Okay, Bob asked a question. Why did Satan fall? What was in him that made him fall? Well, we touched on it there when, when Jack was going through this. He said, your tr widespread faith, you're filled with violence. He chose to, uh, to uh, uh, get angry at things that he couldn't do, what, what Beth said just a minute ago, possibly jealous of creation. Why? He was the powerful dude. And he said, now, God, you're making things that are going to be ruling me? How many think that might get under somebody's skin? He wouldn't, he wouldn't give in to God's plan. So let's go into Isaiah chapter 12, uh, 14, verses 12 through 17. If you've, if you've been in church a long time, you, you hear, you've heard a statement, well, in many churches that, that preach the whole Bible, called the five eyes of Isaiah. Has anybody heard the term? The five eyes of Isaiah. That was the, the destruction of Lucifer, okay? Why he fell is encapsulated in these five verses. Go ahead. Um, what version? NIV. Okay. Is the mic on? We're, we're receiving the offering tonight. If you, there's a lot of people that say, Pastor, I can't make Sunday and I want to tithe. So if you want to tithe, um, go ahead and, and put your tithe in tonight. If you want to give an offering, whatever the case is, put it in tonight. If you want to uh, pay off the building fund, put it in tonight. Take a check. As long as we can not bounce it to the bank. <laughs> give me a week. What are we, $52,000 paid off there? Something like I tell you what, if you give us $52,000, we will take care of the rest. We'll get it figured out, okay? But uh, so anyway, go ahead and, and read, Bob. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Folks, 
There's multiple passages I could have used that give a depiction of who Lucifer is and the reality of this created being. But these two are just, are just, uh, just as clear, clear as amazing. So go ahead, uh, Bob. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. Okay, stop there. Thank you. Morning star, son of the dawn. That's where we get Lucifer. That's the name Lucifer. When you look in the, uh, in, into the Hebrew, uh, son of the dawn, morning star, those are the words that in the original language it would say, uh, you fallen Lucifer. Okay? Go ahead. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. Okay, so stop, st I'm, I'm sorry. You, these, now we just got into the I wills or the eyes of Isaiah. Go ahead and start. You have said in your heart, number one. I will ascend to the heavens. Number two. I will raise my throne above the stars of number God. Number three. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. Number four. On the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. Okay, number four. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And number five. I will make myself like the most high. What do you think the problem is that caused Lucifer to fall? I. I-itis. Today we call it idolatry. Okay? And God calls Christians that do not subject themselves to God idolaters. Okay? So, but look what he says here. He said, I'm not happy about this whole creation thing, so I am going to get rid of you. How many have ever tried to get rid of God? How does that work out for you? Okay? God said, boy, you have just lifted yourself up too high. Continue on, Bob. That was it? No, you continue on. I don't want to. Oh. <laughs> but, okay. But, but what you we were call this Luciferian, is that? <laughs> so I do have a quick question, but I probably know the answer. Okay. So he was a beautiful angel, but when he fell, then he turned into this ugly-looking thing we see today. Or do you think he's still beautiful, and that's why people are drawn to him? What do you think? I think he is still the most beautiful in all of creation. And he's still powerful. He just doesn't have an authority. Okay. Now, okay. now I'll read it. Okay. And just as soon as you're done, I go, you remember your question? You don't remember? Okay. If it comes back to you, I'm sorry, I just I thought about it just now. Okay. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. And see, now they're going to do a repeat of Ezekiel. Look what it says. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home? Just to repeat of Ezekiel. 17. Is this what we feared? Okay. Now put your nose down and look at me. I want to talk about this for a minute. Why do we give in to his lies, to his deception, to his deceit? Because he makes it easy? Let's go back to Bob's statement. Is he a hideous creature like they try to depict on TV? Or is he still this beautiful creation? 
Justin, go ahead. All the way back there. You got to wait for the microphone. In Galatians, uh, it says that the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. Say that again. He transforms himself into an angel of light. You remember the exact chapter and verse? Uh, Galatians chapter 1 or 3. It's, uh, it's actually 1 Corinthians, I think. Is it? Let me uh, go look. 1 Corinthians 11. Second Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians Good. 11. Okay, but then it says something more. If Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, why is it such a big thing that his ministers are not transformed into ministers of righteousness? He has no creative power. What does Satan have? Deception. Folks, the pulpits of America. Folks, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to cast virgins. That's between them and God. But folks, this book is not a success book. It's not a prosperity book. But this book is a success book. And it is a prosperity book. But the success and the prosperity is in Christ, not in man. It's in glory, not on earth. If Satan, thank you for bringing that up. It was in my notes actually, but further down. But thank you for bringing it up. If Satan is transformed into an angel of light, okay, what huge religion had an angel of light appear to him. The Mormon religion. It was an angel of light. The angel's name was Moroni. But it was an angel of light. What would you say, macaroni? What did you say? should have been a hit to the guy right there. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. It was an angel of light that appeared to him. Folks, we don't know the enemy. We don't know God's Word. That's why the enemy can deceive so readily. Jack? Wasn't Gabriel also an angel of light? No, not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't call him an angel of light. He calls him a messenger angel. Okay? Would he appear? Could he appear illuminated in illuminance? Yeah. Okay? Well, that's not what he's called. But the Bible says Satan appears as an angel of light. Beauty, radiance, glory, very attractive. How many have ever seen when they do the movies about seduction and the devil is the main perpetrator, is this dashing, debonair, good-looking guy or gal? How many have ever seen movies like that? You know, folks, they probably would have auditioned me, but I just, I told them, the dashing debonair part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay, cancel that thought. Okay, but think about it. Could you imagine if, if the devil was some hideous, ugly, horrific? Anybody would want that? 
So, what is Satan's deal? Transformed into an angel of light. His ministers transformed into ministers of righteousness. How do you know the difference? Justin? Microphone? Just keep it back there, Justin. Okay. Sounds like you're, you got this one down. We're good. Uh, with what they say, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with God's Word. If it doesn't line up. Okay, let me ask you a question along that line. What if it lines up with God's Word, but it's only half true? Is half a truth still a truth? Half a truth is still all a lie. See, God is not the author of confusion. And if I advocate a partial truth, what am I doing? I'm lying. I'm confusing. Did you remember your question, Christian? No? Yep, go ahead. No, you've got to have a mic. We, we put on the, on, the, on the recording. That way the whole world can know that Christian is sharing this. There's only, we've only got several thousand around the world listening to us. No pressure, though. <clears throat> it's a stupid question, I think. Uh, okay, let me qualify. The only dumb question <laughs> is the one not asked. Oh, I feel smarter already. Okay. So every question is great. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, what was it? Oh, yes. Um, did God create hell? And also, was it created before or after uh, Satan was kicked out? Good question. Okay. Did God create hell, and was it created before or after Satan was created? Now, let's talk about that for a second. The Bible does not give the time frame of the creation of the angels. Okay? But I want you to go back. Uh, I wrote it down here. It's in Job somewhere. I wrote it down. Uh, Pastor Ray, give me Job. 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 I'm sorry? 38, 4 through 7. Yeah, 38, 4 through 7. Good. I put it in the notes. Okay? We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that's okay because this is a great question and it's something to understand. Okay? A lot of people, they, they think, you know, and I've read commentaries and read different things, they, that, that somewhere during creation the angels were created. Okay? Well, I, I've never thought that. And then I was, you know, just in putting this study together. I thought, okay, God, give me, some, give me some pinpoint idea of what it is. Well, God is having a conversation with Job. Now, understand Job's whole issue was self-righteousness. When you read through Job, God's the one that put him on the spot. Okay, God didn't tempt him. God didn't test him. All God did is said, devil, have you ever considered my servant Job? (laughs) Could you imagine? Yeah, we can look back and read Job now and think, well, God didn't talk to Job about this. But listen to God's statement. He said, "There's there's not more upright man on the earth. There's not a guy that loves me, that adores. There's not, there's not one that worships me more than Job. Job is the oldest book of the Bible. 
Okay, it was before Genesis, it was before Moses, before all this stuff, okay? Uh, but the reality is God said, have you considered him? Why would God do that? Because God didn't love him? Because God wanted to test him. God wanted to improve him. See, God knew, knew Job's heart. Job, he knew Job loved him. But Job was getting a little bit too much on his high horse. What happened to the last guy that got on his high horse? God threw him out of heaven. He said, Job, I know you love me. Just realize it's me, not you. So we look at this. We don't see angels or anything mentioned in Scripture uh, as far as creation until the fall. There's a lot, of, a lot of teachers that teach that the angels were probably created somewhere about 100 years after creation. But if you go back and read Job and one of God's conversations, and God's saying, Job, hey, were you there? Job, were you? Was I asking you about this? What's it read there, Pastor Ray? In Job chapter 38, 4 through 7, and we're talking about when were the angels created, and then we're going to go back to Christian's question. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off the dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And now listen. On what were your, its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstones while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? When were the angels created? Before the earth was created. Before anything. He said the angels rejoiced. They shouted when I was laying the foundations of the earth. I think the angels were around for a long time. Okay? And once again, it's not even... It's not one of those things that I waste a lot of air on discussing, but I think the Bible's pretty clear. You know, they were here for a long time. When God laid everything down, they were there. The foundations. You build on foundations. So that means the very essence of everything. The angels are there shouting. Will, you had a question? Actually, my wife had one before you. Okay, go ahead, Will. So once we make it to heaven, can we be kicked out of heaven? Once you make it to heaven, the book of Revelation says the second death has no power over you. Once you're there, you're there. Okay? Once you, you, once you make the rapture, you're there. It's, you know, it's just, you know, pastors are way not to make the rapture. The Bible says pray that you can stand in this. Okay? Pastor Sweetie? So Matthew twenty five forty one says... And this is in red letters, just saying. <laughs> then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay. God created hell. When did he do it? The devil and his angels. After Satan fell. After Satan fell. But not for man. Okay, not for man. He made it for the devil and his angels. That's your that question, right? There. Okay. So now let's think about it. Now let's go on to the other people that think that possibly after the beginning of creation, God created hell. 
Who did he create it for? Before the fall, there was not a devil. There was Lucifer. There was not a deceiver. There was not a Satan. There was Lucifer. He knew he was. Well, folks, he knows we're all going to hell if we don't accept him. Why does he just end it now? Because he gives everybody the option to make the choice. Even Lucifer had the choice. Even Judas had the choice. Okay, so ultimately, when do you think God created hell? Potentially somewhere between day five and day six. After the fall. Do I know that? Nope. Do I care to argue and debate it? No. Because it ain't going to make a difference in eternity. All we know is it's there. It was created for the devil and his angels. Okay? After the fall. Okay? When did the fall happen? Somewhere between Genesis 5 or day 5 and day 6 when uh, God created man and man chose to fall. Because I actually take that back. I take that back. Let me correct myself now. At the end of day six, God said everything was good. It was after creation. So sometime after day six that Satan fell. Okay? And that's when he was cast down to heaven. I see your hand, Dale. Okay? Does that that help at all? I said between five and six. After after day six. Because when everything was done, it was good. Everything was good. It didn't go bad until the devil messed it up. Okay, Dale? So free, free will, right? Free yep. will choice. Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell <clears throat> with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Free you think choice. Jesus had the same will? Yep. Do you think Jesus could have said, Dad, we're done. Let's just do it again. Wipe it out and start over. How many think Jesus could have done that? But how do many know that love compelled him not to? He saw all of it. Hebrews. Hebrews said, for the joy set before him. Okay? But it also says that he learned to be a son through the things he suffered. Okay. So... We, we went a long way and got very short distance, okay? But we're, we're going to, uh, we got to end it. Any other questions before we end? Was this beneficial tonight to start this series? How many think this might be a good series? Okay. How many are going to come back next week? Don't raise your hand, please. Okay. I don't want to come back and listen to the devil. Folks, you need to. Our greatest defeat is we don't know the enemy. Okay. Any other questions before we wrap it up? Did I miss anybody? Did I answer your question, Christian? Okay. Did I miss anybody? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Thank you for your direction. Thank you, Lord, that you help us to understand this invisible war, that whether we acknowledge it, whether we admit it, or whether we accept it, we are eyeballs deep in it. We need to enlist, to fight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you.